Hola, bienvenidos, and welcome to the Under the Sea Bass podcast. My name is Sebastian Escobar. Sebastian Escobar, but you may call me Sea Bass. You know, this is the first episode of my podcast here, so just allow me to quickly explain what this is all about. And if you made it this far without switching off or going to another podcast, then thank you. You know, this podcast is all about diving deep into some of the major political and social problems happening in various parts of the world, from Hong Kong to Barcelona to Lebanon, and yes, even the United States of America. I'm going to try my best to provide some analysis about these protests, a little bit of background on it, you know, why they're happening, how it all started, and some possible outcomes. Firstly, let me disclaim that I am not a foreign relations expert per se, but hey, I do love me some hard-hitting journalism about issues focusing on international relations, on social work, on different cultures, and just any political issue that's happening around the world. I think it's important for us in a globalized society to know what is happening to other people around the world. And no, I don't have a million-dollar production studio. I'm just some dude in New Jersey with a computer and a microphone dropping some knowledge on news events that probably aren't getting much mainstream media attention. The reason I'm doing this is for fun, really, and for entertainment, and mostly uh, for knowledge, to drop some information on things that I think are pretty important. So join me, dear listeners, as we take a deep dive on potential revolutions happening here on Under the Sea Bass. Welcome to Under the Sea Bass, Episode 1. On this episode, Peru. Peru is the third largest and the fourth most populated country in South America, after Brazil, Colombia, and Argentina. And it's divided into three natural regions, the coast, the highlands, and the jungle, with over 80% of the population living along the coastal region where its capital, Lima, is located. About 10% live in the highland region, and the rest are indigenous tribes living somewhere along the jungle. It's also home to llamas, pan flutes, and delicious cuisines. I mean, seriously, some of the best food I've ever had is Peruvian food. But we're not here to talk about geography or delicious huancaina sauce. We're here to talk about political issues. And boy, does Peru have some serious, crazy history regarding its government and political corruption. If you ask any Peruvian what they think about any politician, they'll probably respond with either a collective shrug or yeah exactly but just to provide a quick backstory that ties to the current state of affairs in peru let's go back to the year 1990 a man by the name of alberto fujimori a peruvian of japanese descent was elected president he was president of Peru for about 10 years, and within those 10 years, he ruled with a bit of an iron fist. But then in the year 2000, it was revealed that Fujimori engaged in serious corruption scandals and extrajudicial killings, mostly killing those from a group called the Shining Path, a Maoist-inspired leftist guerrilla group. 
In all, a little more than 3,000 Peruvian civilians died from the conflicts, and another about 69,000 died overall within a 20-year span. Another specific instance of autocratic ruling from Fujimori was in April of 1992, wherein a political deadlock in Congress, Fujimori, with the help from the military, instituted a coup, which historians now call a Fuji coup. And during this Fuji coup, he shut down Congress, he suspended the Constitution, and purged the judiciary. He basically removed everyone he did not like from the government. And yet, most public opinion polls were surprisingly in favor of it, and they were still in favor of him. He essentially did something that we now know in the U.S. media as draining the swamp. Have you heard of the term before? Drain the swamp. But with the removal of one swamp comes another swamp, right? And a major corruption scandal plagued Fujimori. He was found to have managed a major corruption network involving over about a thousand people to embezzling over $600 million in public funds, favoring some of his friends like his chief of intelligence, Vladimir Montesinos, and gained electoral advantage by bribing the media. Before his term was up, he flew to Japan and maintained a self-imposed exile. But then he was arrested in Chile in 2005 and extradited to Peru in 2007. He was then convicted in 2009 to 25 years in prison for ordering the deaths and kidnappings of members of the Shining Path and for all the other things that I just mentioned. It was the first time an elected head of state had been extradited to his home country, tried, and convicted of human rights violations. I mean, this guy was so great at being corrupt, he landed in 7th place in Forbes' 2004 list of world's all-time most corrupt leaders. Congratulations, President Fujimori. You deserve that one. So if you're wondering, is Fujimori still in prison? Then the answer is, well... Yes, but not without a possibly corrupt pardon going down before that. In 2017, then-president Pedro Pablo Kuczynski of Polish descent granted Fujimori a humanitarian pardon. Fujimori did manage to apologize for his actions on national TV, but that still didn't stop the people from protesting in Lima about the decision. Total indignation. We will never forget. We do have memories. We are Peruvians, conscious of what is happening. We have to go out to the streets. We can't just complain. It's time to get out there. Oh yeah, and Peru's Supreme Court then overturned the pardon and Fujimori was sent back to prison in January of 2019. Today, Fujimori's daughter, Kaiko, has been running for president hoping to win and free her father from prison. Uh, we'll get to Kaiko in just a bit. Oh, and this guy, Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, who was Peru's most previous president, was impeached in 2017 for lying about payments he received from an even more corrupt Brazilian construction firm called Odebrecht, which we'll definitely get to more of in a bit. But the impeachment proceedings with him didn't actually go through the first time. But then, Kuczynski was impeached again after other numerous scandals involving vote buying and for receiving more than $4 million from Odebrecht came to light. It resulted in him resigning as president of Peru in March 2018. Man, it makes you feel like our current state of affairs here at the White House in the United States isn't so crazy after all. 
right? Wrong. Right. So currently Peru is facing the ramifications of yet another major corruption scandal that has implicated pretty much all former presidents in the past 20 years. Remember that Brazilian company I mentioned earlier, Odebrecht? Well, turns out, shockingly, they weren't so squeaky clean. In 2016, Odebrecht admitted that it had paid hundreds of millions of dollars in bribes for contracts it had won throughout Latin America. Contracts to build pretty much all types of infrastructure from roads to bridges to dams and after that damning report came to life police arrested former peruvian president ojanta umala holding him in jail for months now accusing him of accepting bribes from odebrecht and seeking a 20-year prison sentence they also got alejandro toledo another former president from the early 2000s he's currently in jail in the united states pending an extradition request for charges that he accepted 20 million dollars in bribes and another former president alan garcia who was in the midst of getting arrested at his home earlier this year in april but instead he locked himself in his room and he shot himself in the head which brings us to today's state of affairs in peru the current president is former president kuzinski's vice president martin viscara but now without a strong challenge from the opposition controlled legislature trying to remove him from power the president does not know what's written in the constitution he wants to be the neighborhood bully and he's trying to prevent congress from exercising its constitutional duty but the reason for all of this is that Mr. Viscara is actually trying to clean up Peru's image and rid the government of more corrupt politicians. He called for the resignation of the country's top prosecutor, and he proposed a series of reforms to the judicial branch. Oh, and remember Kaiko Fujimori, the daughter of Alberto Fujimori? Well, yeah, she's part of that opposition that wants Mr. Viscara out of office. But she also got caught up in the Odebrecht scandal, and she's currently sitting in a jail cell. And now, in the midst of this political gridlock, President Vizcarra decided to dissolve Congress, something that hasn't been done or happened in Peru since 1992 by none other than Alberto Fujimori. And this decision didn't sit well with some of the people of Peru, mostly supporters of the opposition and of Kaiko Fujimori, ironically accusing President Vizcarra, a man who wasn't elected as president, but rather became president because of Kuzinski's resignation, of acting like a dictator. But for many others protesting in the streets in the past few weeks, they saw this as a huge victory and a necessary decision by the president for finally getting rid of corruption in Congress. Era tiempo que and the whole purpose of dissolving Congress, which, by the way, is not allowed in the United States, is to immediately get rid of members of Congress by calling for a snap parliamentary election. Congress considered this illegitimate and tried to remove Mr. Viscara from office by appointing the vice president as president. But when the vice president realized that the military supported Mr. Viscara, she resigned from her post. A big win there for President Viscara. So now, this election to find new representatives in Congress is slated for January 2020, which leads me and us to wonder, what will come out of this election? Will Peru finally have representatives in government that aren't so riddled with corrupt tendencies and simply do things that enrich themselves rather than help the people most in need? You know, Peru's poverty rate is around 13%. 
which isn't so bad compared to other Latin American countries, but less of that poverty is actually seen in Lima. Still, there is a huge gap in wealth inequality in Peru. Over 35% of the population live in barriadas, or shanty towns, how we know them. And a political turmoil like this, and one that has been happening for the past 20 years, isn't helping the situation. Much awaits to be seen what happens in Peru over the next few months. I mean, will it be more of the same old corruption and scandals that have taken down every president since 1990? Or will this decision become a political revolution that finally helps the Peruvian government clean up its act and actually drain its own swamp? That waits to be seen come 2020. This has been Under the Sea Bass, Episode 1 in Peru. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys for listening to episode one of Under the Sea Bass. Hopefully we have uh, a lot more of these episodes coming. Uh, as you see, it's just a quick dive into a major political issue that is happening around the world. Um, so if you support it, if you like it, you know, definitely leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you think of it. And also just want to give a quick thank you to Andrea Sarate and Nicholas Casey from the New York Times and to Claudia Dominguez and Amy Lewis from CNN for all of their reporting. These are all sources I used in this podcast episode as well, of course, as Wikipedia. Hey, because Wikipedia is great. Thank you guys so much and uh, have a blessed day. Goodbye.